every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd. He's also the co-founder of River's Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Brian Carney. My guest today is Luca Zambello, co-founder and CEO of Journey, a technology-based hospitality company that is completely changing the typical hotel user experience. Luca is an expert within the hospitality industry, and he's been featured in Forbes, Bloomberg, and Entrepreneur Magazine. Luca, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, cheers. So for the show today, I'm going to be drinking a beer called Still Night by Tonewood Brewery in Oakland, New Jersey. Um, it's a session stout. Now, you are in California and I'm on the East Coast, so the time change makes it socially inappropriate for you to be having alcohol. So you're going to be sticking with coffee today. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. I'm having my uh, Italian espresso. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, uh, you you jumping on. I'm excited to talk to you. Your, your business looks fascinating. So why don't we start with you telling me a little bit about Journey? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we, we're big believers in, in automations and, um, you know, we observe like how Technologies have changed many industries, um, like for transportation, Uber, uh, right? It revolutionized the taxi industry. And now, like, obviously, when self-driving cars are going to be coming out, that's completely revolutionizing how um, the whole this transportation industry works. Yeah. And, uh, you know, TV with streaming, right? And uh, every, every industry is changing quite a bit. For and sure. one of the few industries that we noticed that hasn't changed and has not changed. Uh, you know, really benefit from all this technology was, was hospitality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you look actually even markets like China, there's like fully automated hotels. Oh, and wow. then you look in, you know, in US and Europe and we're, you know, we're kind of far away from, from, from that reality. And so really our goal and our mission as a company was to, to bring technologies in this industry to enhance the experience, both from a guest standpoint and from, from a owner standpoint. So if mm -hmm. you're a manager, or if you own your own hotels, it's this is this can be a really great tool to empower you to now compete with some of the largest hotels. Um, and um, yeah, so so um, really, our mission was to bring this into the market. And we have a two side marketplace where we we help owners or managers, like you know, of of hospitality assets, and they can be like Airbnb, someone who manages like ten plus Airbnbs. Yeah. Or someone who manages like a single boutique hotel or a chain of boutique hotels. Yeah. Um, and we help them basically fully automate everything that, that it comes down to with the logistics of running these hotels and automate completely automating the guest experience. That's um, so like guests can book online, uh, they can check in online on a mobile app, they can control the room temperature, they can open whatever door they want, everything through a mobile app. Um, and, and that's, and, and at the same time, we give the owners the option of, you know, managing their cleaner virtually, uh, have nice monitoring system so that they know 
you know, if, if a room is being too loud before another guest complains, uh, automated pricing, automated review management. So those are like some of the pieces that we put together. And then we make the management of an asset now that, that much easier and that much more profitable, which allows them not to compete with, with larger hotels. From a guest experience standpoint, which is the other side of the market. Yeah. Now, um, it's important. We, we help these hotels owners with distribution. So all the properties that, that um, you know, are these Airbnb host hotel owners are listed, um, when they listen to our platform, we automatically list them on Airbnb, Booking.com, Expedia. So all the major channels. Yep. But we also list them on the Journey app. And this is something that we're doing and that we're building kind of like quietly without really like investing money because it's growing organically because sure. every time the clients just comes into our platform, their inventory also gets updated into our app. Makes sense. And what's happening is that we're building this large inventory, what we call an instantly accessible property. What it means is that we want to give you just as, as easy as it is to get a, bir a bird, right? Like a bird scooter. Uh, when you're on the road, you can see where they are and you can just scan it and just book it and, and, and utilize it. We want to make the same thing. We're actually already doing it with, with rooms. Uh, whether if it's a, an Airbnb home, an Airbnb apartment, or a, a, a hotel room. But that's interesting. So you have these two sides of the business. Which one was born first? The manager side, the hotel owner side, or the Airbnb owner side, or the actual uh, person that's going to be the guest side, I guess? Yeah. So the idea for us was actually to build a what we said, Uber type of experience for, for, for the hospitality industry. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's where we started. Um, that was like definitely the first step, but in order to achieve that, when you realize that that is a lot more complicated than people think for sure. And um, in order to do that, they have to use, it's like similar, like Tesla with self-driving cars, they the self-driving cars they need to have the proper hardware. Um, in order to be able to capable, be capable of doing that. Yeah. Um, it works very similar with us, with our assets. They need to have the proper hardware installed and the proper software to, that runs them so that we can then attach it to, to, to a booking channel in order to do this fully automated experience. So in order to build what we wanted to build originally, which is like this next generation booking channel, let's sure. put it that way, we had to actually create a B2B solution in the market. And yeah. this B2B solution needs to be very, very compelling and good to get a mass adoption. Right. If you get mass adoption, then we get, we, we're going to get, you know, infinite amount of inventory and actually make revenue and profits while we, while we do that. Right. Um, yeah. So what, what was your background, you know, what, prior to, to starting and launching this business, what was your background and how did you see this as a, as a business opportunity? Well, I, I, I'm originally from Italy. Uh -huh. I was born and raised there. Um, I started multiple small businesses, um, uh, then and then one of the things that i did um when i actually my first real business i was about 19 uh and um and i just saw like a lot of limitations in in, in europe in general i think especially in italy like i think opportunities for young people with with great ideas yeah um it's it's not a place to be um you know it's a great place to live <laughs> uh, but but, uh, but not, not a great place to to be if you're very much ambitious and 
I don't know. I grew up like looking at tech startups in US. Like that's 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 what was my dream. I was seeing like companies like Facebook or or YouTube. You know, yeah. just like young guys, just like starting with an idea and and you know be able to grow these massive companies. And I I, I always had an inspiration of one day having at that company. And and I said, well, I'm, it's not going to happen if I leave here. Yeah. Um, so, and my English was also terrible at the time. So, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> terrible to say the least. Um, uh, and and I, I, you know, my, luckily my family always said, like, you know, once you are done studying, you have to take care of yourself. But if you want to study, we'll, we'll help you. So I was like, you know what? I want to go study English in US. So I came originally to study English and then I, I did um, a certificate uh, in, in marketing at UCLA wow. uh, to continue my, my studies. And, you know, that was my excuse to, 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 to come here. And when I came here, I, I started kind of working almost like, almost like right away, like after what? about a couple of years that, that I was here, I got into... Uh, night, the, the nightlife industry. I became a nightlife promoter in Hollywood. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, that was not my aspiration, but but it was uh, it was like I don't know anyone. What's a great way to start building a network? And sure. and you know, and and that's what I did, pretty successfully actually for for about like two and a half three years, uh, build a network of people, and then one day one client just asked for for a house to to rent a house for an event. And I was looking online. This is like 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, I was looking online and I couldn't find anything. And, you know, I was, I was like, I, I live in a city with millions of builders and mansions. I'm like, it's impossible. Nobody's renting them out. Like, right. um, so I asked around and finally meet this broker. And I knew that just, just out of word of mouth, that was his business. So just rent short term, this, this massive villas. And I was like, okay, there's a business opportunity there. Um, I hope I created a landing page, start creating ads for luxury villas in, in LA. And in the, on year one, uh, we did, we did, it was me and a personal assistant. We did $1.2 million in revenue. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, so we are like, okay, there's definitely a market opportunity here. Yeah. Um, that type of business itself wasn't super scalable. And then, you know, larger company came up like Airbnb and VRBO be really became a thing. Sure. Um, where back then there were like very few people were using them. And, and so I got into the property management to manage properties. But again, like I was doing those things to make purely to make money. Right. <laughs> and then I saw the opportunity and that's mm -hmm. where I saw the opportunities of automations because I was like, okay, if you want to have a management company in this space, Airbnb opened up a brand new industry. It allowed people know Airbnb for home sharing, but honestly, like the largest economy of Airbnb uh, it's it's professional hosts. Sure. And it's becoming more and more about professional hosts. Like a company like Sandra, for example, over a billion dollars valuation would never exist if it wouldn't be for Airbnb. Yeah. Airbnb is what allowed all these companies to start. Yeah. Because now I give a platform to somebody that is not a professional hotelier to yeah. now become a professional hotelier. And that's really like the where I started seeing the opportunity. I said, you know, Airbnb allowed more people to now be get into the hospitality industry and lower dramatically the barrier to entry. And it's more importantly shifted how things have been done 
especially for the hotels that have been doing it for a long time. Right. They, they are kind of fighting against what they call OTA, like AirbnbBooking.com. They're fighting against them versus like working with them. Um, but it's a mistake because look where Sander, what Sander became thanks to the fact that they embraced the fact that this OTA is work. Right. So we saw the opportunity in terms of marketability of assets. And then we saw the opportunity in terms of the fact that we saw all these operations and these companies like just scaling very quickly. And they were really lacking um, what we call an operating system. Sure. Like, like a real OS, right? Like yep. how do you run the hardware? How do you, so right now- Something to glue it all together. Yeah. Nowadays, people use what is called a PMS, a property management software. Yeah. A, a PMS, it's like, it's a skeleton that allows you to build things on top. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's not a finished system. It's sure. like it's like it's like buying uh, a motherboard on a computer, and then you have to put all the pieces together, and then you have to develop the software. Mm-hmm. That's what the industry is today. Yeah, <laughs> we build a computer. Right, said, right. This is a finished product. <laughs> you don't you don't need to know how hardware works. You don't need to know how a software works. Yeah, everything runs, and we have we services it, yeah. even on top that they will run it for you if necessary. And you yeah. just focus on the guest experience and the, the on-ground hospitality. Um, and and that's that's really how the company started. That's where we saw the opportunity. And four years ago, we, com- we, we launched a company. Uh, that's that's amazing. It's called Journey. Uh, I'm fascinated by two things. First of all, I'm fascinated by you as a, as a, a young kid growing up in Italy not dreaming about being like a professional soccer player or like here <laughs> uh, kids in the U S grow up thinking they're going to be in the NBA or the, or the NFL or major league baseball. But you actually are looking at these tech companies and saying, that's what I want to do from a young age. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. And then, and, and then secondly, to take it even a step further, you go, well, I can't do that here in my country. I need to leave to go to the U S to do it. That I mean, that takes a lot of, so how old were you when you came here? You're in college. Uh, twenty one. Twenty one. Here, yeah. That's crazy. Twenty. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's absolutely crazy to be able to do that. Um, I'm actually I'm fascinated also by what it's like to start a tech company in California, right? How's that process been? It's been it's been a journey. So one one great thing that happened. Um, well, number one, like what I love about US is that. You know, people talk about the American dream and stuff like that. And I have to say it's real, right? <laughs> maybe it's more, maybe it's harder than it used to be. I'm yep. not going to like, you know, I don't know how it was. <laughs> so, so I cannot speak to that, but I can sure. speak to the fact that it, that is real. I came here and I didn't know anyone, anyone. And, wow. and, but number one, culturally, I think is one of the best culture in terms of like helping each other out. Like yeah. people, you can go to another entrepreneur and ask how you did it and you have a 50% chance that they're going to tell you. Yep. That's a high, much higher percentage anywhere else in the world. I guarantee yes. you that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really, really good point. I think that's a really un, unsung part about the, about, you know, I guess the society in general here is that for the most part, most people do want to help each other out. And I do think, you know, the, Hey, can I pick your brain and buy you lunch thing is actually a pretty legitimate way to do it. And people, give you honest feedback, which I think is really valuable. A hundred percent. I think that's, that's number one. And, and the real reason why I want to, I understood that like where I got in nightlife 
it, although I, you know I haven't been in a club in ten years now. Right. <laughs> but 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 uh, the real reason why I want to do that is because I understood like you know there's people we wanted to go out and somehow oh, I'm sure I'm going to meet entrepreneurs there, and I did. That was the right. that's step, step number one. That I actually start meeting people there. The second step was when I launched the the housing uh, website. I got an office at WeWork. Uh-huh. Um, it was one. It was actually the first WeWork outside of uh, New York. New York. Wow. Uh, the one on uh, in Hollywood. Okay. And and I got I got an office at WeWork, and there were so many startups there. Yeah. And and that's where I was like, okay, I want to learn from these people. And I would just literally walk people's offices. Hey, what do you do? How yeah. do you get here? What? How do you get to do this? Um, you know, and how did you get to raise money? And right. like, that's. That's that's how I learned. Like I didn't know any of it. Like it's a craft to know how to raise money, and and I definitely learned it thanks to other people. Like I didn't, I did not study that in school. Yeah, and I had no clue how to do it um, at the beginning. And I think like that was like super super powerful. And then the second thing that I did uh, was was actually reaching out to people and then on LinkedIn and like you know like knowing this person knows this person asking people to introduce me to other people. Yeah. Uh, and really one of the things that I learned, I love to learn out when I, whenever I met someone that is more successful than me or even as successful as me or less successful, I ask, yeah. how did you get there? Yeah. What did you do? You can always learn something. You know, that's it really always. another good point you bring up about WeWork. Um, it seems to me that that wasn't a, an original point of WeWork, but I've talked to multiple people that have said, the all the startups being incubators there together and just the collaboration because you're around each other has really helped you know uh, launch a lot of these companies that's that's pretty cool to to hear definitely definitely i think um that was one of the things that so it, it, it was a powerful tool for sure yeah so so you you've been raising money for journey which is uh, i'm i'm interested in this as well how yeah. difficult has that been to go in? I mean, you've raised a significant amount of money, you know. Um, so how difficult has that that been for you guys to do? Well, I think, you know, whenever you do it once already, like I think it's big, the second time will definitely be easier. Like, you know, like there's there's the learning curve has, has been, um, it's been there. Right. Um, I think, at this stage that we're at right now, obviously during the pandemic, like it was hard because we're in hospitality and like people didn't want to talk about hospitality and we needed to raise money right in the middle of the pandemic. I would say more than half of the businesses in our industry didn't survive the, the pandemic. Yeah, right. And, and it was it was definitely something not easy, um, but it wasn't easy because of the pandemic, not because of the nature of the business or sure. because we didn't know how to raise money. Like yeah. we're getting to a stage right now. We actually have people wanting to put money and we are telling them now because we're not wanting, we don't want to raise money right now. Yeah. Uh, we want to raise money in a little bit and it was going to be a proper round with a proper evaluation. But, but you know, like things change when you bring, when you build a real business and, and you start getting real traction, um, you know, things things change. The the hard pieces in the beginning. Um, you know, when you're unproven, you're like early seed round, like yeah, maybe not even ready for that. And seed rounds are becoming bigger and bigger, so you have right. to be more ready. You have to 
you know, and you can't even tell someone, Hey, we already raised X amount of dollars. Like, Hey, we haven't raised, we've raised $0 so far. That's zero. And nice. guess what? I have not worked for any of the major uh, tech companies. Right. I don't, I don't come from the Silicon Valley. I, I, my background for what you, what you value is almost zero. So <laughs> how about you give me like $4 million to, yeah. to create this like crazy idea? I promise it's that, a great idea. Yeah. I promise it's exactly. It's, <laughs> that's, that's hard. Yeah. That, that part, that part was hard. It took, it took us quite a bit. Um, and again, the, during the pandemic, it was, it was, it was a bit harder, but but now it's all about execution. The more we execute, the more money we can raise and the higher the valuation is going to be. Yeah. So let's talk about the pandemic because arguably there's no industry that was harder hit than hospitality. So you are starting a tech business for hospitality in the middle of a pandemic trying to raise money. So obviously that's difficult, but were there any positives for you that you, you know, come looking back on, I mean, obviously we're still in the pandemic, um, but are there any positives that are, that come out of it to make that you can look back on and go, you know what, that was actually a good part about it. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, I mean, I think in the stress moments is when the biggest opportunities arise. Mm -hmm. um, um, me, if I wasn't an investor, at the time, and that's no, no, not saying anything to any other investor, but just me personally, as, sure. as a person, I'm a contrarian. I love to go against trends. Yeah. Um, I, I do that with, you know, I do that in the crypto market. Like I buy when nobody buys and I sell when everybody buys. Like, yeah. and, and, and if you look, anyone that makes real good money and has a really good investment, that's usually that's usually what they're capable of doing, right? That's Warren like Buffett. Warren. That's his, that's his exact rule. hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but why I'm saying that is because, you know, during pandemic, if, if I was an investor, I would have hundred percent probably invest all my money into hospitality because yeah. you know that eventually a solution is going to get out there. Sure. And, and if you actually double down to a company that has really big potential, when the pandemic is going to be over, that company is going to have an edge versus everyone else and it's going to be a much bigger edge than anything else it's a good point um and and actually that 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 happened to us because yeah. although it was super hard to 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 raise money we were able to raise money we raised a nine and a half million round it was the second round that we raised um and we were able to to now by coming in an industry where everyone actually the first thing that they stopped investing in it was technology and r d and I'm like, it's insane. <laughs> and that's literally what we did in the pandemic. We doubled down on that. Like yeah. even before we raised the, the money, we were doubling down on, on, on technology and creating and really elevating this, this um, you know, the tech stack in, in, yeah. in, in our platform. So if anything, the pandemic put us maybe three or four years ahead out of the competition. Yeah. And this is, it's not just like, I'm not talking about the people stopped investing in technology, just the small player. I'm talking about even the, some of the large, large players that were like, okay, this is a side project. We put it on the side. Sure. Even, even, even vehicles have done the same thing with electric vehicles. Yep. Most of them deposit the R and D on electric vehicles. And that's a big mistake. You have yeah. to double down during those, those times. Like you can't, you can't just like 
go against the trend that is going there. Now you're just giving more more market to someone else. Yep. Right. Um, it's very. So, uh, I'm sure you know this story, but I, from what I understand, that's what's how the the iPod was created during uh, the time of financial crisis. I can't remember the years, but. Steve Jobs insisted that they not cut R&D. They actually invest more of it. And through that investment, they came up with the iPod, which eventually leads to the iPhone. And, you know, like literally to your exact point, when everyone else is cutting R&D, they were doubling down. So, I mean, that, that's you're in good company with that decision there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, a- the other thing I find interesting about your world is that the hospitality business is so stale. And so set in their ways and sort of just that conventional thinking, we're doing it this way because this is the way it's always been done. And you guys are kind of, you know, trying to kick that door down and, and you know, turn that upside down. How difficult has that been as part of your businesses to try to change that old school way of thinking? So, yeah, so that's, that's a great question, um, especially for someone who's not in hospitality. Uh, that, <laughs> that, that's good that, that, you saw, that, that you captured that. Um, it's, 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 um, I think that's our biggest opportunity. Yeah. Um, that the fact that people just wanted to do it just the same way. Um, this is the biggest opportunity because we, luckily the industry is getting, um, well, luckily, not luckily for them, but it, it is getting kicked by this new tech hospitality companies yep. like you know the standards of, of of the situation i keep repeating them because they're the biggest but there's yeah, many sure. um and then by the large hotels and by the fact that they're fighting against the all the otas they are being booking.coms of right. of the world um so and then a pandemic arrived it made their life even harder yes um so the fact they're set on their own ways is actually hurting them quite a bit. And many of them are looking for a change, but until now changing was very hard, yeah. very hard because you had to build a system yourself. Yep. We're, we're giving you like a turnkey solution that is going to fix for all of those things. And you don't have to become one of the things that I start noticing that all these hospitality co- companies start having CTOs and you're like, the hospitality company has a CTO. They have, there's so much technology and software and, and things that you have to learn that you have to have actual technology department right to handle this yeah. but no one got into hospitality because they wanted to be in tech aside from us and a few others right sure. like most people are in hospitality because they want to host guests sure right, right. they want to create an experience for guests that was not it just like when somebody opens a business i don't think their dream is is to deal with with accounting Mm-hmm. This is just becoming one one more piece that I have to have to deal with. Yep. And some of these people are in their sixty or seventies, and you know it's harder for them to to have to, to to do this change. So we're actually setting up ourselves up to be the probably only solution right now in the market. And luckily, we have a pretty massive market to tackle before these people can change their mind. Right. Okay. Already, there's people that are changing their mind, but but. The entire industry of of the new Airbnb hosts, those people are forward looking, mm-hmm. and and they have and they, they're bootstrapped, so they have to operate very minimal capital, and so they are forced to optimize their business because otherwise they wouldn't survive, right? Because they're not typical hotel. 
So these people are already in look for solutions like that. So usually when they hear about us and they're like, okay, this is what I've been looking for. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for the product. <laughs> um, hotels need a little bit more education, but we're, we're getting there. And eventually we think there's just going to be a mass adoption. Um, yeah. And the industry is massive. For sure. Uh, yeah. You, well, you bring up an interesting word. that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You, you you bring up an interesting word, and I, I was wanted to see how it worked in your world. You said the word optimize. What's it like to have to balance the need for capital while you're building this technology, and you know, sort of have to give some sort of return to your investors or show progress to your investors without rushing it to market, so they can you can make that platform completely optimized. It's it's tough because, um. In you know, in hindsight, it's just it's just like you know, like an investor doesn't in the beginning doesn't really trust you unless they have an existing relationship. So right. they can't give you a stupid amount of money right away. Mm-hmm. But by doing that, then you don't have enough capital to build what you want to build. Yes. Um. So what we did, we did. Um. I think it's the the only way to go about it if you don't have the reputation to raise the adequate amount of capital, right? For us, it would have been like having to raise like, you know, seven, eight million dollars out of out, like out of the door, right? right? And maybe more, right? Um, so what we did, we did something that that will help both things. We'll, we'll, we'll help the development of, of, of the technologies, but at the same time, start bringing revenue. So what we did, we started as a management company. Mm-hmm. We said, you know what? Let's sell a management product because if we sell a management product, people don't have to look exactly how things work. Yep. And while we're doing that, we're going to start building the tech stack. Right. So we we build a company that does what we're now selling to, you know, now we're selling to other management company. But we're, first we became a management company ourselves, but it has accomplished actually two two amazing things. One is the fact that we are, we're, we're operators ourselves first. Mm-hmm. And so by being operators and doing the job yourself, this is something actually that I leave by myself. As a CEO of the company, I've actually done everybody's job at one point. Right. Probably poorly, <laughs> but I, I, I have been, I've been in every single position in our company, including yep. customer support. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot delegate or properly hire someone if I don't know what they have to do. So you're so right about that. And just like it works for me as a CEO, it works for us as a company. Mm-hmm. So we cannot know what what these people needs are if if we were not operators first. Yeah. And by being operators and using all this technology, we were able to be a management company that runs at a seventy percent profit margin and charging way less than what a regular management company would charge. Yeah. And then we proved that, and we said to other management company, "Hey, look look at this. This is what we build, and this is what we are capable of doing. Now you can take this and just run it and." And take most of the profits yourself because we only need this much. Yep. Um, so that's how we did it. Um, and that's how we start building the traction and start building enough business, enough volume to then raise the larger round to then finish our yep. product. It's finished, I say finish, but the word finish is incorrect in tech because it will never finish. Never be finished, yeah. <laughs> Always can be upgraded, yes. But, but at least to a stage that can be sold and scaled. Love it. Yeah, that, that's great. So you guys have patents and t- trademarks or do you have to go through that whole process? Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we probably could do it on more things. Uh, we just did it on some of the things that we thought that were essential. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're still patent pending because it takes quite a bit um, to get a patent. But 
but um, especially on the access system uh, side of things, the technologies were there, but there was not like a software that kind of glued them all together. Like, right. you know, like, like for example, Yale develops locks for, you know, single family homes, the smart locks. That they mm-hmm. develop. They're not meant to be used for a commercial hospitality purpose. And there's right. no real company focus on that. So that's where we focus a lot of our effort because we understood that if we can fully automate from booking to check-in to check-out, the entire guest experience yeah. where you don't have to talk to anyone, you reduce the amount of hour, hourly cost for a hotel like dramatically. For sure. Um, and then you can do the same exact thing when you, with your cleaners, repairs, and maintenance and have an overview exactly of who's in which units, how long they've been there, who's cleaned that unit. Like, for example, that's another amazing thing. Like, we know which cleaner clean what unit and and they have a rating that is directly correlated to public public and private reviews. Right. You know, that gives you an overview of what's happening. And this is our, these are jobs that, that, you know, people are doing right now. But doesn't mean that we're saying like, okay, we want to remove these people and not take jobs away from these people. Well, number one, there's job shortage in many markets that, 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 that of doing those specific jobs. For sure. But, but at the same time, also what we're doing is we're saying like people that want to win in hospitality right now, they have to focus on guest experience. Yep. A front desk brings zero value to a guest. When you have to come to an hotel and you have to give a passport or, or your ID and, and confirm your payments that you already done online, like, mm-hmm. which makes no sense. Yes. Right. Um, it just, <laughs> so it true. just brings zero value. Yeah. Repurpose those people for, for, for example, for a, a full 24 seven concierge, if you want to repurpose yeah. those people to elevate the guest experience in different ways, more room amenities, more like personal touch in the room. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that you can now afford to do. That actually brings direct value to your guests versus if front desk doesn't accomplish anything. Yeah, right. nothing worse than checking into a hotel and having to stand in that line. It's you know to be I, able to like get off the shuttle or the, the whatever, and then you, you you get to actually walk to your room and use your phone to get right into your room. That that's huge. You, huge. It's you know what's kind of interesting that you're talking about is I feel like there's this whole sub industry of tech, of integration getting all the technology to work together you know we see that in our industry with we our tech stack and you know it is we're always like well does that integrate with this and does that integrate with that it seems like being able that is a real skill and talent and a real way to do well in this world is if you can take multiple forms of technology and integrate them all together well you you bring it up with like an amazing point because that's exactly that's exactly what we did and yeah. we did it even better like the I want to say even better, but we did it like in a way that we actually built a vertically integrated system. We looked at the industry. What didn't exist or wasn't proper, we built it. Yep. And what existed, it was amazing. We integrated with. Yeah. But it's not through not through public API that it's like limited functionality and it doesn't work properly. No, we create a custom integration still through an API connection, but it's a custom API for us. Yep. That build that works with our system. So now you have a single, from a user standpoint, and a user, I mean a hotel owner or an operator, you have a single place that you go to, a single dashboard, a single fee. You don't have to pay. You can do what we do today. Not that good. Let's say 50% <laughs> of, of what you, we do today. But it's going to take you 20,000 development hours, and you have to pay fees to like 15 to 20 vendors. Yeah. 
And those fees are going to be a lot higher than our fees. Yep. Because after the things we do it ourselves, the other half we have economy of scale on. Yep. So it makes no sense yeah. for someone that has sub 10,000 units. Yep. To really build their own system. For it sure. Doesn't. Yep. That's, all, that's awesome. Like I said, I think it's a real skill to be able to drop your ego and say, hey, that technology is good. We don't need to redo that one. This doesn't exist. Let's kind of do everything together and make it a patchwork. That I think there a lot of times in business world, I think the ego gets in the way. Well, like I can do that one better. Well, why spend those 20,000 hours of doing it if it already exists? Yeah. Yep. The one, so the last question I wanted to ask you is, I think a lot of business owners deal with this, but you do have a business partner. You started the business with a business partner. How's that experience been? Because you know, I always say that that's like being married. And you probably spend more time with your business owner, with your business partner than you do with your, with your spouse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Especially in the beginning. Um, I think as the company grows, uh, you, you know, you, you get different responsibilities in the company and, and different roles. Yeah. But you know, it, it's, it's, it's about how you operate as a person. Um, do you need someone who you can run ideas by and you need someone that, um, will challenge your ideas. Yep. You need someone who can support you when, you know, there's downtime. Like, you know, it's hard to be at 100% all the time by yourself. For right? sure. So those are all the pros. The cons is um, I had two bad partnerships before a good partnership. Yeah. It's a tricky thing because you have to be very careful on how, who you choose, how you choose it. You know, it's, it's a whole conversation on just like knowing how to choose a partner to be honest like yes and, and, and which one is the right partner and i think just setting things up right away i think it's it's, it's like any relationship by the way communication i think is a, the base of everything yeah like if you're not a good communicator i i am obsessive when it comes on to have an issue with someone and fixing it like confronting that person immediately i'm i I'm, it's an obsession of mine. Like good. I'm not good to sleep if I know that there's something that is that is there is still like pending. Yeah, you got to clear the someone. air. That that's great. I, like if I feel tension, if I feel anything, this is my private life or business. I confront people right away, immediately. Yeah. If you don't have that personality, you should not have a business partner. Right. Because it's hard for me having that that personality, having relationships in general. It's yep. hard for anyone. We make it work because I think I surround myself with people that have just as strong or 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 at least pretty good like communication skills. Yep. If you don't have that, and both people need to have it. By the way, like one yep. can have it more than the other. Whereas the person that confronts, but the other person needs to be uh, open to be confronted. Yes, you're right. Being able to confront an issue. The longer it lingers, the worse it gets, and then and then it turn, then you're fighting about something that's not really what you're fighting about. You know, I would say it's like you're fighting about him leaving his towel on the on the ground. Yeah, and, and that's not really what it's about. Yeah, correct. You start fighting about like the water in the office, and you're like, why are we fighting about water in the office? Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I think. It, that is a confrontation is a real important part about having a business partner. And you do need to work through the confrontation and a not hold grudges and just be able to like have a short memory, like, Hey, okay, I'm, I'm over this. But more importantly, if you have the same or a similar long-term vision about where you want to take the company, 
you could sort of work everything out. There's going to be different ways you get to, to, to get there, but being able to have that same vision is really important. I think that's, that's in general, and not a point that I, I think in general for, for any company, whether you have business partners, like, and once you get investors, they're, they're going to be in a way business partners as well. Like, for sure. you know, yeah, like they're point. sitting on your board. I, so, so I think having a common vision of where the company needs to go. Yeah. It's, Probably for maybe the most important thing. That's why people have like, you know, companies have missions. It's probably the most important thing. And listen, if you're a startup, things will change. You have to be, but you have to have somewhat an abstract vision that is the same for everyone, right? Yep. That how you get there will change. Mm-hmm. That the plan should change because if you're not changing, you're probably doing something wrong. Um, because there's, I mean, unless you're like extremely lucky that you got a plan and that plan works, but nothing goes as planned ever. Ever, yeah. <laughs> so, but having that common vision and just knowing that you want to go that direction, I think my, my business partner and I were like, you know, what do we want to do? We want to build an Uber for, for the hospitality. We want to build that instant uh, booking and instant checking experience for the guests. That's the vision that we had, and that's what we literally. I remember still today that this was like a like a speed dating with investors, and we we're saying like that's what we want to build. Yeah, <laughs> that's literally what we said. It's like, this is what we're doing today, which is not even close to that, but that's where we want to go. Yeah, and that's the first investor we got, and he gave us money based on that. So his vision was been is been aligned with us a hundred percent, right? Uh, with our vision. Yep. Um. And my, mine and my business partner vision has been aligned to that. And the people we hire, we have to, just, to share that vision with them as well because they have to educate the people that come. Like, we, like you said, we hire people, you know, we hire people that have MBAs and, and master in hospitality. And yep. they come from schools and they got, they've been taught things in a certain kind of way. You're not telling them that what they spend maybe $100,000 for, yep. um, you're changing it. And what they learn, it might not be the truth. Yeah, right. <laughs> you want to change that. <laughs> if you're not, if you're not very clear what the company needs to go, you're gonna find problems. You're, you're. It's very true. That's awesome. Well, Luca, this is great. I really enjoyed talking to you today. I, I loved having you on. Um, if you'd yeah, like same. to, thank you for a great question. Absolutely. If you'd like to learn more about Luca and Journey, go to Journey, which is J U R N Y dot com. If you want to connect with me on the Untapped app to see how I rate all these beers that I drink, my username is brcarney7. To learn more about how our firm helps business owners with their financial planning, visit riversedgeadvisors.com. And to hear past episodes of the podcast, go to Happy dash half dash hour.com. Now I have to rate this beer. So my mother-in-law gave me this beer. So I have to give it, I'll give it a fair rating. I actually like it a lot. I'll give it a four out of five. Definitely would drink it again. So um, Luca, it was great. I really enjoyed our time together. Uh, Best of luck to you and cheers. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers with my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to happy half hour with an entrepreneur sponsored by rivers edge advisors. For more information on how Rivers Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share a beer, follow him on Instagram at riversedgeadvisors underscore LLC.